commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he is in you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Before too long, the world will not see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him. And this, from Paul's assurance uh, to the church at Rome in the 8th chapter. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received did not lead you back into slavery, living your lives in fear again. But rather, the Spirit you received led you to adoption into sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father. His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are His children. And if we are His children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we suffer with him and share with him in his sufferings, we too will also share with him in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Last year, I started uh, working on a book, uh, which uh, no publisher has been as interested in yet as I am. And the concept for the book was in these radically changing, in these difficult times, a lot of us find ourselves in the position like Dorothy and her friends in, uh, uh, when she was no longer in Kansas anymore. She knew something had changed, and she was desperately looking for the Emerald City for Oz to fix things and to, and to make everything right for her. And sometimes in our confusing days, uh, individuals and churches act like this, and they, they desperately look uh, for a home. They desperately look for everything to be made right for them. Well, as I was working on this book, I came to a chapter and thought about Dorothy. And for the first time, I realized something about Dorothy, and that is that she's an orphan. You know, all the time growing up, seeing the movie, reading the book, I never really thought about it. But she's raised by Uncle Frank and Annie M. And I always thought Dorothy's issue was the cyclone or getting hit in the head or, or the woman on the bicycle. But I soon realized that the issue for Dorothy is home. She wants and needs a home. There, in Kansas and out of Kansas, Dorothy is very much an orphan. And I began to realize that for me, that's my life. Looking for and wanting a place of security, a place of home where I know that I'm valued just as I am. Now, let me quickly say to you that uh, physically I'm not an orphan. I'm the middle, I was the middle of five uh, children. My mother and father did a great job. They put all five of us through college. They passed on the Christian faith to us. They taught us very uh, significant and lasting values. And I think considering what they had to work with, they did pretty well. But as I grew up as a young boy, 
And as a teenager, in my own mind, I saw things differently. I saw that there must still be something more I need to do so that my mother and father will love me and value me. That I began to think that I must uh, earn their love and earn their value. And I really misread my father's heart and misread my mother's heart, but I didn't know it at the time. And so I tried all sorts of things to, to, to merit their, their love and uh, their value, and really, by extension, uh, to merit and value the love of anybody uh, that was kind of within any sort of reach of me. And so I tried all sorts of things. I tried high school football, but at 140 pounds, that didn't work out so well. And then I tried tennis, and I tried excelling in academics. And then as I moved toward adulthood... I, I came up with a, just a lead pipe cinch. I would become a pastor because everybody has to like a pastor, right? Well, God has used a number of you to disabuse me of that notion, but that's another story. I, when I look back at my life and the way I was living it, I was a lot like Private Ryan. Do you remember the end of the movie? Private Ryan comes to the grave in Normandy of Captain Miller. An older man now, he looks at his wife and he says to her, pleads with her with this request. Tell me I was worth it. Tell me I was worth it. I was worth dying for. Tell me I'm a good man. And I see so much of my life just really put out there in front of people like, tell me I'm worth something. Tell, tell me I'm valued. Tell me that I'm not an orphan. Tell me that I've got a place. And I've learned from John Eldridge that this is often an issue that men have, that they always have this sense somehow that they've not quite made it, haven't quite measured up to their own fathers. And yet he points out, and his wife points out, that women have a similar kind of issue, wondering if they're really uh, loved and desired by other people. And that we kind of grow up with this orphan sense, and we misread our parents' heart. And unfortunately, it leads us to misread our Heavenly Father's heart on the matter as well, and, and we become orphans. And it takes a lot for God to work through and clear that out of us. And, and God started with me many years ago, 25 years ago. I was reading a book, and it's, it's an autobiography of a man some of you have, have actually met, John Claypool. And in it, it's entitled Opening Blind Eyes. And he told his story about growing up, his parents said, Johnny, one day you'll be somebody. But what he heard was, I'm not somebody. So he thought it would please them if he went to Baylor, so he did. He thought it would please them if he went to an Ivy League, so he graduated and went to a graduate school at Yale. He thought it would please them if he got a Ph.D., he did. He thought it would please them if he followed a call into ministry, and he soon he had the, the largest church in Kentucky, and maybe in Kentucky uh, and Tennessee and the, and the whole region, Indiana, as well. But he still felt like he wasn't somebody. He said there in the privacy of his study, an Episcopal priest friend helped him understand uh, that he was somebody. He said, John, do you believe the Bible? And he said, well, I'm Southern Baptist. Of course I believe the Bible. He said, well, have you ever read where it says you are the light of the world? He said, well, yeah. He said, have you ever noticed that Jesus never said you could be the light of the world? If you get your act together, you may be the light of the world. Do certain things and you'll be the light of the world. He said, did you ever know it was simply the indicative you are the light of the world? John, you don't have to be somebody. You are somebody. And John said the experience was like opening blind eyes, like scales came off his eyes. And, and as I read that, I thought, that's not about him, that's about me. And some of the scales began to come off. 
But do you remember the story of the, uh, the blind man that Jesus healed and touched him and said, okay, can you see? And the blind man said, well, yeah, I see people, but they look like trees. So Jesus had to touch him again. Sometimes our orphaned spirit and our orphaned life, feeling that we're not loved and valued as we are, sinks in so deep that God's got to hit us again, got to touch us again with it. And for me, that second touch came uh, about three years ago. I was sitting in the seminar room in the, the West Wing over here. Uh, the church was the host of a large event, and I went to one of the workshops. And the leader was Trevor Hudson, who's a Methodist in uh, South Africa. And he was talking about this amazing thing about how Jesus never lost compassion for people, which is pretty amazing if you work with the public. You realize how, how hard it is to keep your compassion for them with everything you see and as often as you see it. And we're tempted to answer, well, Jesus didn't lose his compassion because he was God. Maybe. But what if there's another explanation? And this is what Hudson found. He said, if you look at the cycle of what he called the cycle of Jesus' life, you'll notice that Jesus' life starts in the security of knowing that he has a place in the Father's home and that he is loved deeply by his Heavenly Father. And it's out of that deep love that he loves and serves others. And Hudson went on to make what I thought was a pretty bold statement. He said, you will never really give your life away to other people until you live deeply into the fact that you are beloved, you are the beloved of God. And it was like some more was chipping away from my blind eyes. I started to realize that so much of what I do in this church and other churches seems like it's for the kingdom of God. But really underneath, it's like, please like me. Please succeed. Please tell me this could be home. And, and I realized it was more out of if I do certain things, then maybe I'll get love rather than Jesus who knew he was loved. And so out of that love did all these things. But I was especially blind. A long life as an orphan, misreading my earthly father's heart and my heavenly father's heart, it was pretty tough to crack. So God knew, unlike the blind man in the Bible, I'd need a third touch. And it came about a year and a half ago through a friend and colleague of mine. Some of you have met him, Scott Hare, is the pastor of our Riverside uh, campus. And Scott, about a year and a half ago, started behaving very strangely. He started showing up on time for our meetings. That was highly unusual. Not answering phone calls while we were in a discussion. I mean, things were changing. Uh, he seemed to uh, want to uh, no longer figure out how he could go around me to get something important done, but how he could work under me and through me to do the things he felt like he was being called to do. It was just a whole shift in his attitude. Some of you remember the time he asked for permission to speak to this church, to this campus, and say, I'm sorry that when I was here, I was about my agenda and not about the agenda of the Father. So all this is going on, so I had to ask. I said, what's going on? What gives? And he told me his story. And as he told me his story, he, told me, he talked with me about John 14. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He talked to me about Romans 8, that we are children of God. We are not slaves. And he said, have you ever noticed the difference between a servant our slave, and a child in Roman society or Greek society. The servant, the one who really doesn't think he has a home and who's worried about his status from one moment to the next, has to do everything to try to secure his future. He has to uh, try to fix and control outcomes as best he can. He has to try to work his way into the master's heart and hope he stays there. But the son, the son already knows he has an inheritance. 
The son knows that he's going to come into everything. The son knows he has a place so he doesn't have to go grab anything. He has to wait to receive that which he knows will be his. A servant, an orphan, tries to maneuver, control, grab, and fix life. A son, a daughter, sure of their inheritance, graciously waits to receive. The son is is always sure that he has a home. The slave is never sure where he'll be from one moment to the next. The slave is not certain about his security, but the son knows that he has a home and in fact has the ability because of that to be home wherever he is. And I recognize the truth, and that is that I would never love you or the world properly until I understood the love that God had for me as unconditional. I would never minister, this church would never minister appropriately until we knew that we were loved deeply. That would be the key to loving others. And I thought about uh, the work of Brennan Manning. Some of you are, know Brennan Manning's story. Brennan Manning, long time a Catholic priest. Uh, uh, Manning uh, is constant battle for a good part of his life with alcoholism, uh, uh, divorced, remarried, all sorts of, of struggles and very open about his, uh, his struggles in life. But he tells a story in a wonderful book called The Furious Longing for, of God. The Furious Longing of God. The title is, That's How Badly God Wants Us to Know That We're Loved. It's a furious longing. God doesn't like anything that gets in the way of us knowing that we're being loved by God. But in this book, he tells a story about somebody he met in the 60s, Larry Mullaney. Uh, he was a college uh, campus minister. It was um, Manning when Larry Mullaney showed up and walked through his door and introduced himself and said, Hi, I'm Larry. I'm agnostic. He had to listen for a moment. He repeated it. Larry had a lisp. Larry was obese. Larry had a very bad case of acne. Larry had the hair, he said, that grew in four different directions. Larry, a child of the 60s, to decide not to bathe very often. This was Larry. And Larry wasn't finding much acceptance on campus. Larry was finding the going rough. And when he got home, the going seemed almost as rough as so many sons who went home in the 60s and even sons who went home in the early 70s. Discussions with their father, whether it be about Vietnam or other things, often turn real bad real fast. And on a break from home, spring break, he was having those kind of discussions with his father. It didn't seem to be going real well. And then he reminded, after the end of one discussion, his father, he said, well, my plane leaves tomorrow. He lived in New York City and is flying back to Ohio. He said, my plane leaves at 6 o'clock. And his dad said, I'll ride the bus to the airport with you. And so they went down to uh, the bus stop uh, to take the bus into the airport. And there were some construction men who worked with Larry's father who were there working on a project and they saw Larry's father with his very obese son. And they started yelling at him. Hey, pig! Why don't you give us your best oink? What a pig! What a porker! If I had a son like that, I'd keep him in the basement. I wouldn't let him out of the house. And the cat calls, or pig calls, were coming. Larry's father reached over him before the bus came. So it was just about to pull up. And gave him a kiss and he said, Larry, 
if your mother and I were to live 200 years, it would not be long enough to thank God every day for the gift he has given us in you. I want you to know, he said, how proud I am to be your father. And Larry went to the airport, got on the plane, came to Ohio, went back into uh, the chaplain's office. Six weeks later, he'd made a commitment to Christ. Six weeks later, he'd begun to clean up his life, bathing a little more often, but still in his hippie mode. But he began to study, began to take things more seriously, never made below an A the rest of his college career, became president of his fraternity and even started dating a young girl. And the turning point, says Manning, wasn't the discussions about Jesus in his office. He said, as I look back, the discussion was a father who told him, I'm proud of you. You're not an orphan. You have a home. And recently, Larry celebrated finishing his 20th year as a missionary to people in South America. We can't serve. We can't love others. We can't even love ourselves until we understand the love that our fathers have for us. And as important as our earthly father's love is, how much more important is to know the love of the Heavenly Father. But we, the spiritual orphaned heart we have is so ingrained. For me, it took a number of touches. It'll take more to come. But I know that I have a home, and that makes a difference. Last year in March, uh, my wife and I were at a conference in Galveston, and this, of course, was before Hurricane Ike. We went to uh, a public library, and they had a big display because of the 100th anniversary some years earlier of the great uh, hurricane in, in Galveston that killed so many. And in the display case was a little baptismal dress. It belonged to Frank Nelson Day. And uh, Frank Nelson Day, uh, in the, on a little uh, thing in this display case, tells his story. He's an infant in September 1900 when the great storm comes. His mother is so worried because his father works closer to the water so that she picks him up and as the waters begin to rise, starts to make her way toward her husband's office, not realizing he's already trying to make his way home. In the rush of water and the debris carried by the water, she's knocked out by a piece of wood. She, of course, loses control of her baby who's swept away in the current. Fortunately, somebody finds her in time, gets her uh, up out of the water, and she comes back too, but dizzy and without her son. Uh, as she's uh, wandering aimlessly, her husband finds his way back to her. They find their way back home, but of course without their child. And grief is beginning to set in. When a little while later, there's a knock on the door. It's a man. They don't know the man. He's, he's a stranger. They haven't met him, but they, they have seen him in the neighborhood. And he said, he said I, I, I've watched you and, and gone by your house last couple of weeks. He said, I know, I know if you'll excuse me that you have a baby. I've seen that. So I'm just wondering if you'd have any baby food. He said, I have to tell you, he said, I just found this baby and I think this baby is hungry. And he, he takes the baby and shows it to them. And of course, it is Frank their son. And as Frank tells his story, 90 years later, 1990, about how he's reunited with his mother and his father. I have lived a lot of my life just swept away by the currents, pulled away from my heavenly father and his love. And I'm pleased 
to talk about the significance and importance of being reunited with my Heavenly Father. But I also want to tell you this. What I hope for you and for this church is not only that you will be reunited with Him in His unconditional love, but that you also, like me, will move to become more like the stranger and begin to find ways to connect these people so long swept away from their Father's heart and connect them back to our loving God.